Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on a Thursday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Our final show for the week. We're off tomorrow for New Year's Eve, so plenty to continue getting to today. And joining us now, as he does every single Thursday, our ESPN MLB insider and Randolph Center Vermont native Buster Olney. Buster, I hope you had a great holiday. I had a great holiday. Uh, in fact, was in Randolph Center, was in Addison. Uh, visiting, visiting family members, and I'm kind of honored. Am I, I'm your last guest of the year. You are my last guest of the year. That is true. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> and we look forward to uh, ushering in 2021 with you. you. Won't be the first guest of 2021, but you'll be one of the first. So, nice bookend for Buster only here on the Brady Farkas Show. Um, you know, last week you talked to us about just the idea that the Red Sox might be interested in Trevor Story. And it actually sparked a lot of conversation for us this week that I kind of want to bring back to you and circle back to it. I, this is low-hanging fruit. I understand that. But it seems relevant in Story's case. Do you worry about him and his performance outside of Coors Field? I mean, his batting average and on-base percentage are 60 points lower away from Coors Field, and he's obviously got significantly more power at Coors Field. Would you worry about that if you were the Red Sox? You would worry about it, um, and it's the first thing that everybody talks about when you speak with evaluators of other teams uh, about you know players coming from Colorado. Here's the thing, you know, there's just so. First off, it's such an outlier uh, situation in, in terms of the impact on the hitters, and so because the outfield is so big there, typically hitters will have larger numbers. But there's also this, um, you know, the, the effect. Uh, for hitters in that ballpark is the breaking balls are not as good. And and so what that also means is when those guys go on the road, um, you know, they're not accustomed to seeing good breaking balls. And so their numbers on the road are down. And, and so teams, while they, they look at those statistics, the, the home road splits, at some point they get comfortable with a guy like Nolan Arenado who went to the St. Louis Cardinals after leaving the Rockies, and he was really good, and D.J. LeMayu. Yep. Left the Rockies, went to the Yankees, and he was really good. Um, you know, so it'll. I think probably the biggest concern for the Red Sox would be the, a lot of the swing and miss that Trevor Story has. I would say this: um, you know, he's considered to be just an extraordinary athlete. You know, he's someone who, if you were to bet on a player to be able to adapt, Story would be potentially mm-hmm. one of those guys who could. And they're going to have to answer. You know, whether it's the Red Sox or some other team that would get uh, make a big investment in story, um, they would have to answer a lot of questions for themselves before they actually agree to a deal. You know, Buster, we played that scenario out in a couple of various hypotheticals, and it led us to this point. If the Red Sox sign story... I think we're all smart enough to realize that there's no way they can invest huge money in story, Bogarts, and Rafael Devers. So if they have story, and they have to choose between re-upping with Xander Bogarts or investing in Rafael Devers long-term, who would you choose? I actually think that there is a way to thread the needle oh. on that, and, and that is in the case of Trevor Story. Um, if you're the Red Sox and you're able to sign him, or Chris Bryant is another name. I know the Red Sox have kicked around internally. You, you, it would be a case where you felt like you were getting a player on a good deal. So, in other words, Trevor Story had injury issues last year. His numbers were kind of down. So maybe you agree to a contract in which he opts out after the first year or second year. Hmm. You know, it would be so attractive. He'd go to the Red Sox, reprove himself, uh, and then, you know, potentially hits out into the marketplace. 
Uh, Bogarts also has an opt-out on his contract yeah. after next season. So that's, you know, that's in the mix as well. I think Devers is somebody that they clearly are going to invest in at some point because his hands, he, you know, he's so much talent. Uh, Bogarts' next contract is not probably not going to be as large as some of the deals that we've seen signed, uh, signed to this point. And let's face it, if the Red Sox sign Trevor Story, they're not doing that unless they get some sort of an understanding with both Bogart's endeavors about how people are going to move around the infield, um, and that's probably going to affect some of the prices they pay. I, I do think so. You know, Story's a guy, if you bring him in, you're not bringing him in probably for you know the duration of a, a long six- or seven-year contract. Buster Olney, ESPN MLB Insider, with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. You and I have talked about this before, but not on this station, on this program. I think homegrown players are a huge deal, and the Red Sox really haven't done a great job at taking care of them money-wise. Betts, Lester, they traded Benintendi, so like, yes, there's Pedroia, but he's kind of the outlier. How imperative is it for High and Bloom to pay one or both of Bogarts or Devers since they are homegrown players? How important is that? Well, it's important that you, you know you want to keep the players, but the best opportunity uh, and the real value in signing homegrown players is getting them locked up when they're young so mm. that you get savings. The best example of that is in, in uh, baseball right now is Ronald Acuna Jr., who, you know, is a first-year player. He signed a $100 million deal, which, you know, feels like a, at, the, at the time, uh, to some degree, a, a great gamble because he's got less than one year and you're committing $100 million. Well, everybody sees the star he's become. Um, I know the Red Sox thought Rafael Devers was going to be a great hitter. Uh, they missed that opportunity to sign him to a whopper contract when he was really cheap. Now, if you pay Devers or if you pay Bogarts with the, you know, and deal with that opt-out, you're going to be paying market price. There's not really any, any, uh, any way around that. Um, you know, you, you're going to be paying $20, $25 million a year at least uh, for those guys. And so I agree with you that it's important to sign your homegrown players but now, you know, the guys you're going to do with that are your best prospects versus someone, uh, you know, who's got much service time as Devers or as much service time as Bogarts. Buster, I'm going to ask you to play amateur psychiatrist here and get oh into my and get into my head because it's really amazing. The Patriots and the Red Sox seasons almost completely mirror each other. Came in with low-ish expectations, spent a lot of the year in first place, and faded down the stretch. I'm disappointed in the Patriots fade, but with the Red Sox, I just I was like, hey, whatever. They way overachieved. No big deal. Why did I give the Red Sox a pass if I won't give it to the Pats? Well, and on top of that, not, you know, you gave the Red Sox a pass, and also uh, they. I, I'm a little bit surprised about that because they probably did less than any of the contenders in the American League East to back up their position. Right? Yeah. We talked about that at the time of the trade deadline that they went and got Kyle Schwarber, who wasn't available then for a few weeks. They didn't add as much pitching. Uh, I think he should hold them to to as high of a standard as you're holding the, the Patriots right now. But I also agree with you that uh, if you go really big picture, the fact that the Red Sox were in contention last year, that made it a good season. The fact that the Patriots, and I you know, know enough about their situation to give an opinion on football, <laughs> uh, I think at the end of the year, if the Patriots make the playoffs or – you know, they're eliminated on the last weekend. It's been a good year considering where they were, and they do, it 
teams have a you know solution as we move forward at the quarterback position, which was the most important development for that team this year. I think I also wrote it off in part for the Red Sox in that the Red Sox had a huge amount of COVID issues in August and September, and I blame some of their fate on that, and it was kind of out of their control. And then I knew that other teams that had been hit by COVID issues and injuries early in the year were going to get healthy, and by the end of the year, they were playing like they should have been. I think that's how I justified the Red Sox struggles. Yeah, no, I, I didn't give them the same pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they should have been more aggressive at the trade deadline. Uh, I thought they were penny-wise and pound foolish. And, you know, I've talked about the adjustment I think Bloom has to make uh, in going from the Tampa Bay Rays and that sort of mentality to going to a team like the, the Red Sox. Uh, you know, the Hunter Renfro deal is another deal, for example, that I, I feel like, yes, they're, they, you know, in terms of the accounting and, and putting together the roster, you know, it might make sense that you would do that deal. But big picture, I think that, uh, you know, we're going to go into next year, and I think there's going to be a higher degree of expectation among Red Sox fans. And if Jackie Bradley Jr. really struggles offensively, and Hunter Renfro is a good year for the Milwaukee Brewers, there's going to be a lot of people second-guessing that decision. Um, you know, so uh, it, it'll be interesting. Now, one thing I would tell you, that there is some uh, buzz around baseball that part of the reason why the, the Red Sox made that trade was one of the prospects they got back in that deal could potentially be a centerpiece of a deal that could be made with the Oakland Athletics after baseball uh, transactions resume. We know the Athletics are going to trade Matt Chapman. We know they're going to trade Matt Olson. Uh, they're going to be trading others. And the perception is, is that the Red Sox might flip uh, some of what they got from the Brewers for one of those guys, which is why maybe this all makes more sense. Maybe they pass on Trevor Story and, and trade for a Matt Chapman or, or trade for Matt Olson. Buster only ESPN MLB Insider. Buster, I'll get you out of here on this. Hall of Fame voting is, uh, you know, ratcheting up right now, or at least the ballots that we're seeing are coming out rather more fast and furious. The announcement gets made sometime in January. You and I fundamentally disagree on this, and that's certainly okay. You put out a graphic yesterday that doesn't look like Bonds and Clemens are going to get in. I think the Hall of Fame is a museum. I'm more than fine with those guys having artifacts and and things like that in the Hall of Fame. I don't think that they deserve a plaque in Cooperstown. Kurt Schilling's not going to get in either. It looks like that's a little harder to you know to you know to to reconcile because it's based, I think, on off the field stuff. But I'm okay with Clemens and Bonds not going in. I know you're not. No, I think it's kind of you know. It- you know, perhaps your perspective is, look, there needs to be a high standard of character for, for players to get in. And my response would be, well, look at the guys who've gotten in. There are, are you know, we don't know this absolutely, but I could give you a pretty good guess, and I think you would agree with me, that there are already guys in the Hall of Fame who use steroids, yeah. who use amphetamines. There are guys who were really bad people in other regards who've already been inducted. And so the idea that you selectively pull out uh, Bonds and Clemens seems kind of silly to me. Uh, to me, you just put the best players in, you vote the best baseball players in the Hall of Fame, and if there's other information uh, about, you know, proven use, or, you know, this guy was in the Mitchell Report, or this guy uh, was found to have done this, just put it on the plaque and let the patrons decide. Because um, the only reason, I think you would agree with me on this, the only reason why Bonds and Clemens don't get the same or get more scrutiny than some of their peers is they were the best players 
Um, and they certainly were like a lot of thousands and thousands of players who used under the baseball umbrella. Um, and what separates them is their numbers just happen to be better. So it seems silly to me that you're pulling over the, you know, the car that is going 56 miles per hour down the highway in a 55 zone when you know that literally thousands of other drivers are zooming by. That's the way it feels. Well, healthy debate is good for society. Somehow we lost that, but Buster, <laughs> but Buster and I can still have it. So, Buster, have a great new year, and we will talk to you next week. Okay, Brady, thank you.